Lisa, thank you for agreeing to be part of the National Home Improvement Council's celebration of women across construction as part of International Women's Day. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Through our podcast, Amplified Across Our Networks, the NHIC wants to elevate the visibility of women and the role they play in creating a vibrant and thriving construction sector. We'll discuss ways that we can build workplaces where women can thrive and celebrate those women like Melissa who are forging change and building a better future for themselves and for the wider build environment. So I'm your host today, Anna Scotton, Chief Executive of the National Home Improvement Council, and I'm excited to be meeting Melissa Zanoko from the Infrastructure Client Group. Hi, Melissa. Hello, Anna, and thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, thank you for joining us today. And for my intro, we know that you currently work at the ICG. How did your career bring you to this point? Um, Well, it certainly wasn't through uh, a traditional route, I, I can say that. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that um, it's always focused on things that I'm passionate about. Um, So there's actually been some opera in there. Um, I've had roles uh, working internationally. Um, And my name itself, Melissa, uh, is actually means busy as a bee. And as I've got older, I've realized that maybe uh, I'm actually drawn to serving the hive. Uh, So in other words, doing things to serve my community. Um, So I have even dabbled with um, becoming an MP at one point. Um, But currently, my passion is uh, industry transformation and ensuring better outcomes for um, people and nature. And uh, what particularly drew me to the ICG role initially uh, was something called Project 13. Um, And that's about creating enabling environments um, through a collaborative enterprise delivery model in order to bring about the the better outcomes. Um, And then, as well as now, there are just amazing people from across the whole industry who are involved. um, And it's all about doing things differently. And it's been incredibly inspiring. And then once I was in the role, uh, it led me to all kinds of other things, that's including things like digital transformation, um, addressing the climate crisis, um, ensuring health, safety and well-being and tackling equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, But the thing that I found the the most interesting out of those things is that they're all connected. Um, So that focus on creating the enabling environments, that seems to go hand in hand. Um, with sort of, I hate to generalise, I I should say this is from my perspective, um, it it appears that if you're focused on doing things differently in order to obtain better outcomes, then equality, diversity and inclusion actually becomes an integral part of the process, uh, rather than being seen as an add-on, as I think sometimes can be the case. Yeah, we definitely need to get to a stage, I think, where, um, as you say, equality, diversity, inclusion are business as usual, um, that you know, we it, it's very similar to sustainability. Ten years ago, um, organisations had you know a sustainability department and a sustainability director, and now they're kind of more built into the normal business as usual forward planning um, of a team or a business, and it feels that way with 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 um, women's issues or diversity issues, inclusivity issues, that it's almost like well, let's have a women's officer. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, even in past governments, they've had a women's minister. You know, it, it should be that that yeah. this stuff just forms part of the natural narrative that we shouldn't have to have a, a something about it. Yes, definitely. And as I say, when you when people that are looking at delivering differently, then they, it seems to automatically happen. But as I don't want to generalise completely, but it's been my experience to date. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're here to, to, to talk about today. So I want to dive in, if I might, to the big question straight away. And we've sort of touched on it already. Today is International Women's Day. Um, are days like this important? Are they needed? Um, well, I think the short answer is yes. <laughs> um, but I think that we need all kinds of approaches, as we, in the sense of what you were just saying, and that no one is going to do it on its own or be perfect. Um, and just like you were saying, I think that there are people out there that um, say that drawing out focusing on women defeats the object and, and it can make it appear that they're separate and different and kind of puts them in a group and then I've heard um, others say that you know women have got it better today than they've ever had it and in the past and that there are other groups out there that actually need attention more and um, and you know I agree with that and I, I feel really grateful and I'm, I'm even grateful to be sitting here doing this chat I mean this this you know this is an example of it um, but I, I still think that we're a really long way from seeing 50-50 representation in most places uh, and particularly um, places of power like parliament and um, boards of companies um, and and then I also think that there are places in the world where there's a really long way to go um, so uh, I'm actually part of um, Julia Middleton's Women Emerging from Isolation and um, I think I can only describe it as humbling is that um, sometimes it, it can sort of be in a lunch break to just listen to the experiences and points of view of women from all around the world um, and uh, it, but even here in the UK though I still think there's much more that we can do I think even starting at nursery level at school and then uh, up to the glass ceiling that women can hit at a certain stage in their career. Yeah. Um, and so I think that campaigns like this um, help to highlight some of those issues. And I know that before I was involved with the ICG's um, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Group, there was so much that I didn't know. So you know, people are always saying, um, well, just show us the stats that prove that more diverse teams are better performing and then we'll listen. And it's just like the stats are out there and they're like they're all around us. And so, so the more that we can raise awareness of them, then the better. Um, and I also think days like this can help to create um, networks for women because um, women need to help other women. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't just need men to help us. And um, this is a slightly controversial area, but you know, we need to admit that women can be just as prejudiced against other women as well. So I think that campaigns like this can help to bring us together to, like, towards a common cause. Um, and then finally, I, I think, as I said earlier, that I think that inclusivity leads to inclusivity. So the campaign doesn't just talk about equality for women, it, it's, which you know, could be seen as quite narrow. It talks about a world with, where difference is valued and mm. celebrated. And I think that's what we're aiming for. And I hope that it makes the world better for everyone, whether they're male or female. Um, and at the moment, we also have to remember and better for nature. It's very important if we want the human race to survive. So better for all of us and for nature. Absolutely. And I think as well, and, and what um, I wanted to do with this with this podcast is around raising the profile of women and having something like International Women's Day in March. And we're running it all the way through March this year. Um, it's about helping women 
to have their voice and to have their voice heard because you and I sit in meetings um, together uh, and we're very lucky that we um, both volunteer for a really diverse network called the Construction Leadership Council um, that brings all of construction together because of course my natural environment is domestic repair maintenance and home improvement and your natural environment is major infrastructure big clients completely um, different ends of the construction sector and we wouldn't our worlds wouldn't have collided had we not worked together or volunteered together um, with the Construction Leadership Council and it's about um, recognising that there are um, amazing and inspirational women across all of construction. And I just thought, well, I want to use the, the, the podcast platform to help those voices be heard so that other women and men can see that there are great female voices out there that have different opinions and come at things from a different angle. But actually that being included is an important aspect. Yeah, no, definitely. And that and that has come up a lot. But um, one of the issues is not seeing anybody above you or anyone that can inspire you um, and, and, and sort of having that network. So, no, no I, I think this is a brilliant idea <laughs> to have this. So, as I say, I, I'm very I'm honoured to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to listening to the other people who are going to uh, come. Yeah, absolutely. And so what has been your experience of working in I will say it, it's a traditionally male environment working in construction. Now, is that perception or is it reality? Um, well, I've had a, a mixed experience. Um, as I've said, like working with the ICG has been like an incredibly enriching experience. Um, and I sometimes describe the ICG as this place where all the bright sparks from across the industry are drawn uh, and together they kind of make fires. And, um, and, and as you've been saying, sometimes they're not to do with infrastructure or big projects or things. And they say, I'm not sure why I'm here. And I'm like, I know why you're here. <laughs> Come in and join us. Uh, but um, uh, and I've also mentioned how from my personal perspective, you know, people are, are open to trying new things. And, and delivering differently then they seem to not have as many prejudices in other areas maybe um, but I have also worked in other environments uh, that were not so positive um, and I remember uh, there have been times when um, I felt that there were certain kind of uh, qualities or capabilities that I have that um, I was trying to maybe hide or, or to change and, and, and actually as part of my PDR you know I was thinking to be less like that um, in order to sort of get ahead in what, what I assumed that I'm not going to do well if I if I carry on with those kind of traits. Um, but then it occurred to me, well, actually, that's weird, because if I was in another industry, then actually I would probably be valued for those. And, and it might actually lead to me being promoted. Um, so it did actually make me question, you know, if I should actually be working in this this industry. Um, but however, because of what I've been saying about sort of serving the hive and I'm someone who's kind of driven to improve things and bring about transformational change um, that you know this industry has to be up there with the top industry for being able to make a difference um, so I, I do literally go to bed every single night knowing that I've got that feeling of satisfaction that that day I you know I've done something that I know you know is going to make a difference um, but I'll tell you what I have done I have made a promise to myself and that is that I will no longer sit in meetings where I have no voice and where nobody cares about my opinion. Um, and even from just like, even if you were just to put that as a good work ethic, 
I'm just kind of like, it's actually a waste of my time. So if I've got that time, you know, if I'm in a meeting and I think, you know what, no one really wants to hear anything that I have to say, then I might as well be doing, you know, some of that stuff I was talking about, that really good stuff that's going to make a difference. Um, so yeah, so I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to sit through meetings in silence. No, good. And that and that's um, fantastic. And so many women do, I think, wait to be invited to speak. And I think, again, that comes back to um, uh, 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 connecting with unconscious bias and, and, and stereotypical male-female roles um, that a, a woman might wait to say something um, or wait to be um, asked their opinion. They don't offer their opinions because quite often they might have been told they're bossy or, um, you know, you're opinionated and... And, and women through their lives tend to get smaller and mold themselves into what is perceived to be an acceptable um, woman, uh, I say in inverted commas, whereas uh, men generally tend to get used to being heard um, and listened to. And, and I know a lot of women who really struggle with speaking in meetings. And, and one thing that I think has made it easier are digital meetings, because the etiquette of a digital meeting is that you put your virtual little hand up to indicate that you want to speak and then the chair is able to come to you. I think that that's almost given women the, the permission that they felt they needed to have their voice rather than in a traditional around the table meeting, it, it is a bit more of a free for all. And, and you've got to, you know, you've got to sort of steal yourself to leap in and say, Mr. Chairman, because it usually is a, a, a Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I've got something I want to say. Whereas because with digital meetings, you can kind of literally, you know, put your little digital hand up. And I think it, those sorts of things are helping and people are realizing actually these girls have got something cool to say yeah no definitely and I think we were just talking earlier as well about how it's made the meetings themselves more accessible so there's probably more women in the room and um, so a lot of the things I've been reading recently is saying about yeah a lot about how women get talked over so it's when they actually do statistics and they've actually measured it that how many women um, but secondly how amazing it is that if you turn to a woman to ask the first question more women will then comment and everything. So, so if as chair, you know, you turn, you ask something and then you turn to someone who's female, for some reason it makes the other females then more willing to talk. So there's all these kinds of unconscious, small little things that can be done that are really helpful and that you would never guess were, were maybe going on <laughs> underneath. Absolutely. Well, it, it's very, it is intimidating. And and I, um, I've been to two meetings in the last week that have been physical meetings and I've either it's back to being I'm either the only woman in the room or there's me and one other um whereas on digital meetings it's at least a third if not a, a getting towards a half representation so I think there's definitely something in there around accessibility and inclusivity um and I have to say one of the meetings I had to you know forgive me for driving um, but I had to drive three hours there and drive three hours back. And you just think, what a waste. I've had two years of, you know, in a, in a COVID environment where, where that six hours would have been productive. And, and you can see that you think, well, wh why are we still doing things in a way that's not getting the best out of people, not good for the environment? 
and 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 not allowing inclusivity and diversity yeah yeah although i was going to say that um one of the things that um i think has been slightly overlooked during covid um was the fact that not everybody could work from home so i do think that we do talk about um we've talked about how to, everyone was at home during covid and now we're, everyone's talking about the great back to work and uh, will we or won't we and actually there are quite a lot of um people that, that couldn't and um i don't know if you're aware you might be aware of this actually build uk and timewise um, actually ran a flexible working project and pilot that was actually proved that you could have flexible working on site without adverse effects. Um, and I actually think that it's things like that, going back to little things that you don't think of. So you might be thinking of all these EDI things, but just something like that, uh, that could mean that, um, I think that could be far more encouraging for um, retaining women in construction, but also uh, for the quality of the lives of the men. Um, because basically for women to have as much opportunity as possible, they need their partner to take 50% of responsibility at home. And so we actually need to enable men to be able to do that as much as women. So, um, so yeah, that's another thing that um, I think is, again, one of these unconscious things. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I also wanted to ask about connecting us back to International Women's Day. Um, how, how do you think, what's the best way that we can maximise the impact of these types of global campaigns across construction? Because, you know, we're, 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 we've got today, today is the day, March the 8th, that we're recording this podcast and we're going to be doing it all across March. But how can we, how can we gather this energy and, and really make some, some positive difference? Yeah. Um, well, I, um, I agree with a lot of things you said. I think that construction industry is particularly lagging behind um, in this area. So I think that campaigns of this nature can, can only be a help. Um, but um, and I don't know if you've heard of the term the Great Resignation at the moment. That um, the, there's a term that I've been here that's talking about how there seems to be a sort of mass exodus on the construction uh, uh, the construction industry and particularly uh, women leaving. Um, so I know that the trade bodies and institutions and, and, and I think they do loads of work in this area and um, you've already said you know this particular podcast is an example um, because I think there are so many things to distract our attention um, so it's great to have something to give us a reason to, to make a loud noise um, but I do agree with you that it's kind of it's not a one day thing um, and what I've learned from the ICG programme is that this is about change of every single organisation and every single person and it has to come from the CEO. So it's not something that can be resolved quickly or that we can put a sticky plaster on it um, just in the same way that you know people talk a lot about COP but COP won't and doesn't like resolve the climate crisis in itself. Um, and so some of the things I think are um, the important factors are things like um, being able to measure and benchmark the issues in a uniform way across the industry. Um, and ICG is actually working with the Major Projects Association and the Supply Chain School. Um, actually, I was just talking to Supply Chain School this morning um, on a database to collect consistent EDI um, statistics. And that means that organisations can then benchmark themselves against their peers, then they can set targets, but then they can also measure the effectiveness of any of those targets. Um, and I should actually give a massive shout out to Manon Bradley, who at uh, the MPA, because uh, she's so passionate about everything EDI and, and very passionate about measuring <laughs> everything. Um, and then there's things like recruitment. Um, I think that's an, also a massive area where we can make big changes um, and, and just small things. So even uh, we've said that this is a, 
um, an industry where it's seen to be male dominated and, and that there are things that are more appropriate kind of for men. Um, but you can just tweak the word in a job description and it can lead to people applying that, you know, who wouldn't have uh, considered even applying. Um, and then there are actual diversity practices for ensuring that more women uh, make it through to the interviews. And that um, discussion I was having this morning with supply chain school who have this, this database, they've actually now got, they can actually have a case study, they've got a direct correlation where they saw some statistics and they saw that people were applying, they just weren't getting shortlisted, et cetera. And they managed to sort of work, help that organization to, to really improve that. So it does show that the data helps. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think that um, there's a kind of a combination of days like this, because I think the other thing that a day like this does is that um, it gives the opportunity for men to show their support of their female colleagues and partners. Um, and I mentioned earlier that um, women need to support women, but men need to actually sponsor women. And I mean that with a capital S, because like mentoring, coaching and things like that, that they can only take you so far, but um, sponsorship can make a real difference. So I, I hope that days like this can, can give the opportunity for men to show their support and, and to sort of raise their awareness of how they can help. Yeah. And I, I know that if, if you asked any... Um, and it, it does seem on, in conversations like this, it can often be a bit sort of us and them. But, you know, in all honesty, I don't know any men that would um, consciously say that they thought women were inferior or not equal. But in actual fact, they do talk over and they do mansplain and they do listen more to a male colleague than they would a female colleague. So and it, it it is it, it, it's about. And, and you can either call it out when you see it and feel like a complete pariah. Um, but in actual fact, if a man called out when they saw unconscious bias happening or mansplaining happening in a meeting, even if it was just something as polite as, oh, yes, Fred, that's exactly what Anna just said five minutes ago. You're up, you know, it's it's great to hear that you've heard Anna's point and that, you know, even just something polite like that, that gives a bit of validation, because we know that we said it five minutes ago. We know that he's mansplaining and we're sat there seething, but it does happen. And if if men can politely show support and empathy to women in those sorts of professional settings. So when you do hear and even something like, let's go out for drinks after work, consciously think about the people who might have other things in their lives that they have to do after work. And it doesn't just have to be childcare. It could be volunteering. It could be looking after a sick adult, a sick parent or something like that. And it could be men or women. But, you know, keep work in work so that things, decisions don't get made outside of the normal working environment. And that will benefit the majority of people that don't go to those types of, of events as well. Um, so what advice would you give to your younger self or what advice do you wish that someone had told you when you started out? Well, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> but I, I suppose leading on from what I said uh, just before about having a voice and, and what I said earlier about um, how I think things are improving gradually, um, what I think we're about to move into, I think we're about to move into a new phase. I pray, I pray and hope we're about to move into a new phase um, of women leading as women. Um, so 
kind of what do I mean by that? Um, so if you, you take people maybe like, let's say, Margaret Thatcher or Angela Merkel or people like that, um, they're not necessarily examples for other women to follow, um, as lots of people have sort of said that, well, they actually led like a man. Um, and so up until now, uh, many of the women that I speak to who've had successful careers and who have made it onto a board who are a CEO, they, they've not necessarily done it as themselves, but they, they've sort of they felt that, that they did what was expected of them. Um, so in other words, that they were um, they could play the male game well. And so, and so they got ahead. Um, and we know that you know Helena Morrissey didn't do things. She did it. She did it her way. Um, and I think we're going to see that more and more. Um, and you've already given out a shout to the Construction Leadership Council, but um, I, I would give a shout out to that. And I, I think people like you, people like Susanna Nicholl, Hannah Vickers, uh, you know, there's, there's others. I think they're all leading the way with with your own styles rather than sort of someone else's. Um, so another promise that I've made myself is that I'm, I'm going to try to you know be true to who I am. So. Uh, I was once actually um, in a job interview and as I was asked by uh, what is my type of leadership um, and I said uh, servant leadership and um, the interviewer kind of paused and, uh, and I could see that he was really reluctant to kind of write it down and, and he said um, have you ever used any other type of leadership style and um, you know and I said to him, I look, one that I'm comfortable with yeah you know and I said to him look of course I am like I'm a woman in the construction industry okay but that <laughs> is my answer okay yeah and I, and I highly recommend by the way I keep recommending this synchronicity the inner path of leadership by Javorski uh, which was recommended to me and he in turn in the book recommends green leaf servant leadership um but from now on you know I only want to work in places that I feel accept me the way that I am uh, and not for how I'll kind of conform to someone else's way of seeing the world um so I think that's if I, I would recommend to someone who's just started out is to try to be yourself and if you feel that you're having to hide who you are, then maybe you need to look to, to find an environment when, where you feel that you don't have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've even been told after meetings, oh, you, you came across as slightly emotional in that meeting. And it's like, well, I was kind of passionate about the fact that we're trying to get this project over the line and everybody sat around fiddling. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And you you cannot imagine a situation that if you know that that if a man had said servant leadership he would be told to rethink his answer <laughs> yes, yes describe yourself but not like that because i that doesn't quite fit with what i'm thinking you you <laughs> can't i mean we laugh about it but it's reality you know this is the type of environment that that women face so as we draw to a close um at the end of each episode of the podcast, I usually ask people what they could do to their, what advice they would give to listeners about what they could do to get their homes zero carbon ready. But we're not focusing on zero carbon um, during this series. We're discussing breaking the bias. Um, what simple things do you think everyone can do um, to support and encourage diversity and inclusion? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat here. Uh, I actually have some fantastic books literally sitting next to me. Um, and uh, there's Helena Morrissey's um, uh, A Good Time to Be a Girl. There's Anne Frank's um, Create a Gender Balanced Workplace. And um, I've recently just read um, Mary Ann Sagehart's um, The Authority Gap. And that one actually gave me a much better understanding of the subtle behaviours and psychology. 
Um, but um, so to steal from Anne Frank, and it's a really practical guide, but also from the ICGDI group, I'll just say three. One is to create that culture of trust, actually we've spoken about, the trust and, and challenging bad behaviour. The number two is um, either be a sponsor or make sure you have a sponsor. And as I say, that's different to having a mentor or coach or a network. Um, although they're obviously really helpful as well, but it's just someone who's actively promoting you and helping you to progress to it in a practical manner. And then the third one is, you know, you can't uh, change it if you can't measure it. So it's about using the metrics to measure the success of any interventions. But just as important, you need to live the interventions. Don't just like tick a box with them. Yeah, that's great advice. And I will put in the show notes um, links to all of the resources that you've mentioned um, as well. And we'll also push out some tweets across all of this month and some uh, posts across our other social media as well, putting links to those um, resources that you've mentioned as well, because they are great. My own favourite is um, good old Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, the American uh, feminist, her book, My Own Words, um, is a great one. So we'll, we'll, we'll put information about, about those as well. Um, so thank you again, Melissa, for joining us um, as part of International Women's Day, celebration of women across construction. And thank you also to our listeners for choosing to listen to us today. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes.